Democratic base is very dialed into abortion rights as an issue more broadly. Uh, Same-sex marriage, right. Closed the state's last abortion provider. has now apologized to his congregation. The Bible has application for every part of our lives. violate her views as a Southern Baptist. The problem is also not just a In the midst of all of today's noise and confusion, we need a voice that cuts through the chaos to bring wisdom and clarity. Welcome to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's, an hour-long show exploring critical issues related to faith and culture from a uniquely Christian perspective. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's. Welcome to The Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I am Julie Roy's, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that has absolutely ravaged the Christian community in the Chicago area. And if you've been listening to the news you know that in the past 18 months, two major evangelical megachurches have been rocked by scandal. First, Willow Creek Community Church, one of the 10 largest churches in the United States, experienced major upheaval after allegations of sexual misconduct surfaced a concerning founder, Bill Hybels. Initially, the women who brought those allegations were discredited by the church, but as evidence against Hybels mounted, senior leaders and elders recanted and resigned, yet many say the damage that is done is just too much, and they've left the church. Attendance at Willow is down at least 15% at Willow's main campus and at least 9% overall. Then several months later, another megachurch, Harvest Bible Chapel, was upended when its pastor, James McDonald, was accused of rampant wrongdoing. This included financial misappropriation, bullying, and shocking vulgar speech that was aired on Morning Drive Radio here in Chicago. The results were similar. All the executive staff resigned, the elders resigned, and there was a major exodus of people away from the church. Obviously, this has sent shockwaves throughout the Chicago area. There are literally thousands of so-called church refugees, people who feel betrayed and hurt and are in need of healing. At the same time, these people are suspicious of anyone in spiritual leadership. Some don't want anything to do with the church. Yet there are others who are coming in into these area churches, and they're looking for healing, and they're looking and longing for help. And then there are pastors, many of whom are godly, hardworking, and often underpaid. Yet now, they're viewed with suspicion, and God forbid they ask for money or any commitment from the people in the pews. This has become trigger issues for people who are coming into their churches. So how does the Christian community recover from this? How do we move forward as the bride of Christ, and can we ever again be a city on the hill? Well, that's what I'm going to explore today, and I've gathered a very special group of people to help me do that. With me today are two Chicago-area pastors uh, and three so-called church refugees. The pastors are Dave Jones, senior pastor of Village Church of Barrington, and Dave and I met while I was reporting on Harvest Bible Chapel. In fact, he was a great source of information for me, so I'm very grateful for that, Dave. Glad to be here, Julie. Yeah. Um, Dave, you also were on staff at Harvest Bible Chapel, 10 years uh, serve there, and I know also your church has become uh, just a major wide open door for an awful lot of refugees. So, welcome to the program. I'm just really glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Also joining me is Joe Thorne, uh, pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in suburban St. Charles. Uh, Joe also hosts a podcast called Doctrine and Devotion. And Joe and I also met while I was reporting on Harvest Bible Chapel. You had me in, I think it was pretty early. It was after my world piece yeah. had hit, that expose, which was, I think was mid-December, uh, came in and really uh, enjoyed the opportunity and had a good time with Joe. But I know you've been impacted as well, and you have a number of refugees at your church, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and over the years, uh, even before this broke, people started to kind of bail on Harvest for various reasons, and mm-hmm. some of them have made their way towards uh, towards Redeemer. Okay. Um, let me start with you, Dave, uh, because I know you've had, I think when, when I interviewed you, you said maybe 300 or so had come from Harvest at some period of time, stayed for at least six months or more. I'm guessing that was with the, there was kind of like two waves. There was right. 2012 when there was gambling exposed, and then there was this excommunication of, of elders, which a lot of people uh, left then. Then the church kind of rebounded, and then this latest, you know, revelations of wrongdoing, and, you know, James eventually got fired by the church. Has that brought in an, another wave, I'm guessing? Yes, it has. You know, we did have several hundred people, actually, that came from, you know, during like 1.0, mm-hmm. uh, and now there is another wave coming yet again, and we have not tried to, you know, we have no way of really counting that or anything, but but we are seeing visitors every service every weekend. Yeah, so tell me, I mean, what's it like being a pastor of a church that's receiving these refugees? Like, well, what has it been like the past six to nine months at your church? Well, obviously, we're seeing new people every weekend, so we're trying to, you know, be welcoming and outgoing toward them and just trying to let them find a place where they can find healing. Uh, we get the context. Uh, we know uh, what's happening there. And so so we've just tried to love and we've tried to model uh, Christ-likeness the best we can yeah. and let them reestablish confidence in the church and in church leadership. And when you say you get it, not only do you get it because you've been there, but you've experienced spiritual abuse. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, I was on staff at Harvest for eight and a half years, and um, that was, you know, I would say those early years were good years, and there would be occasional things that would happen, but toward the end especially, uh, my eyes began to get open to some things, uh, and once uh, the leadership there got the sense that I was beginning to think and maybe had one foot out the door, uh, it did get really bad. Uh, and so I came out of that situation quite beat up, uh, and it took me uh, several months just to even get my smile back. Um, and I was having nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, I was starting to have like some paranoia, and I, I was really beginning to wonder if something was wrong with me on the inside. Uh, but uh, God was gracious, and through some loving friends who just walked with me through that and prayed me through it, uh, I did get to a point of healing. And but but the, I would say the healing took place over a three to four year period. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I I get it personally, and then I also get it corporately. You know, I'm glad you said that about feeling the paranoia and some of that. I, I remember when I was reporting on this story, and I'm giving these stories to my editor, right? And I remember at one point you said, Julie, these people, you know, I hate to say it, they sound a little crazy, and I'm like. I'm like, you should talk to them. They're not crazy, and you have no idea what they've experienced. And, and that, that comment, you know, I know initially was just getting used to the story. Now we've seen, as it's come out, the people are traumatized on a level that I don't think nobody imagined initially. And the people aren't crazy, but what they've experienced has been absolutely crazy. And so um, I think churches need to be just aware so I appreciate that, Dave. So, Joe, same same question to you. What has it been like for you the past six to nine months? Well, we have a, a, a small church, right, a relatively small church. 350 is probably your average attendance on a Sunday between three services. So we have a small space. Now, why do you do three services for 350? Because we can't fit everybody into a oh, small okay. space. So, yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's not – 
to grow, it's to manage the small growth that we have. Okay. So, um, but we you sure you don't want to start a big bro- building program. No, probably no, not, not the right time. We're yeah. not. Uh, we're not going that way. We <laughs> plant churches. We planted three churches out of us oh, and send our people you. out all the time. So mm-hmm. we don't. We're not fans of big church for us. So, but uh, our, our people um, at Redeemer don't really have to do anything different than they normally do. Mm. Uh, our our congregation and we are a congregational Baptist church. So um, you know, uh, say what that means, congregational. That's a that's a form of government, right? It, it, what it, what it means is is that our church is uh, governed or led by a plurality of elders who all function together in parity. Meaning, at me as the lead pastor, I don't have more say than the volunteer elder. Mm-hmm. We all have the same authority, but the congregation holds us accountable. They vote on leadership. Uh, they vote us in and out. They can fire me. Uh, they vote on budget. They vote on members. So um, that's a, it's a congregational church with a, with a lot of transparency and accountability. We don't change anything that we're doing uh, other than because our people are generally nice and welcoming. They're very uh, warm towards people that are coming in. The only thing that we've done is we've let our congregation know a long time ago during our members meetings, uh, listen, these people are hurting. Some of them are coming in angry. Uh, they're, they're in the rage stage, right? Because mm-hmm. they've been betrayed and hurt uh, or abused. Others are coming in just broken and mourning. Um, and so we just tell them, be gentle, give them patience and space but be kind. And that's all we've had to do. And our people um, have warmly welcomed them. And so people, most people from Harvest and that kind of a church don't come to Redeemer because we are a small Reformed Baptist church. Uh, it, the, culturally, it's just very, very different. But, um, but the people that have come, uh, have come because of that almost. It's like they, they, they want to distance themselves from even the culture of what they went through. Not because the culture was necessarily wrong in every way, but because they want to distance themselves from not only abuse, but some of the other trappings and they wind their way towards us and I think it's been, uh, for most people that have come uh, and stayed, it's been a pretty seamless transition. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that we we mention, even in this first segment, church government, because I remember, again, when I was reporting on this, I I had all this information. Actually, I haven't published yet, but about how church government at Harvest changed over time, and, and, and James McDonald took power, you know, and had had this facade of being elder-led, but it really was James-led. Um, and I think people are asking about church government. Right. But I remember when I was first reporting, again, my editor saying to me, Julie, you and I are interested in that and about 12 of our readers, but that's about it. You know, I mean, people don't care about church government. I think people care about church government now. And I think that's a good thing. I think they need to care about church government. Real quickly, because we just have like 30 seconds, what what kind of church government do you have, Dave? We are also congregational. We have elders, but they are voted on by the congregation. Okay, so they're actually accountable to the congregation. That's a very important piece. Well, again, you're listening to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's. Joining me today, uh, Joe Thorne, pastor of Redeemer Fellowship, Dave Jones, pastor of Village Church of Barrington. And coming up next, I've got some refugees, some people who have come from some of these churches who are wounded and hurt, and I think you're going to want to hear what they have to say. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. We now return to The Roy's Report. Here's your host, Julie Roy's. After being betrayed by a pastor at church, how do you ever trust again? Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's. And if you followed the news at all, you know that two Chicago-area megachurches have been rocked by scandal. At both Willow Creek Community Church and Harvest Bible Chapel, pastors have resigned or been fired in disgrace. Elder boards have been replaced and congregations have shrunk as many people have determined that they no longer can stay in a place where they don't trust the leadership. So how does the Christian community respond to a crisis like this? How do area churches welcome literally thousands of people coming to them wounded and hurting? And how do these so-called church refugees heal and learn to trust again? Do they ever 
go to a church again. Our show today is recorded, so I can't take your calls. However, I encourage you uh, to join the live conversation online by going to facebook.com slash reachjulieroys, and Roys is spelled R-O-Y-S, or to get to me on Twitter, use my handle at reachjulieroys. Well, today uh, with me are two Chicago area, mega, uh, not mega church pastors, two Chicago <laughs> pastors, uh, Joe Thorne and Dave Jones. Uh, you heard from them in the last segment, but what I want to do now is have you meet three people who have experienced the devastation at Harvest and Willow Creek personally. First, Terry Strike was a longtime member at Harvest Bible Chapel. In fact, she served in the counseling ministry, but recently uh, she left after experiencing firsthand some of the abuse and the toxic culture there at Harvest. So, Terry, welcome. Great to have you. Thank you. Good to be here. Also joining me are two former members at Willow Creek Community Church, uh, Carol Behrens and Rob Spate. Carol was a member at Willow Creek for decades, right, Carol? Mm -hmm. Is that right? And Rob actually served part-time on staff for a time. Both have been disheartened and disillusioned by what they've seen, and I appreciate you coming on as well and being willing to share your stories. So welcome, Carol. Thank you. And welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me. So um, why don't I start with you, Terry? Um, I know this, I I can see it in your eyes. Uh, (laughs) They can't see it. Maybe they'll be able to hear it, but this is still raw for you. I mean, uh, how did you first become aware of the issues at Harvest, and how has this impacted you on a personal level? Yes, well, um, it it has. It has uh, impacted my husband and I on a personal level, but to give you a little backdrop, um, we attended Harvest for about 15 years, and uh, it was wonderful at the beginning. We, um, We felt uh, refreshed as if in a dry and weary land. And when um, was this? What year? Boy, you know, it's it's got to be 19 years ago now, probably. Okay. Um, off and on. So, um, and just uh, got plugged in right away, and I uh, was very honored to be asked to serve in some leadership roles, and made some wonderful friendships there. And um, we love to serve the Lord and the people that come and that are, are new to Christianity or that just needs encouragement. But so then I got invited to be on staff as a women's director in Elgin. And over the years, the roles somewhat changed. And then I did uh, get invited to counsel uh, women at the church. And um, yes, and so that for nine years, I was on staff there. And during those nine years, front row seat witnessed um wonderful things and people getting saved, but also um, the things that you only see whether you're on staff or my husband served as an elder for a few years. So we had the interesting dichotomy of um, once my husband being on the elder board and me being on staff and we would go home and talk about some things. And it it was just shocking um, to both of us um, in the, the spin factor on what was said in the congregation from the pulpit and then behind the scenes, whether it's in the staff meetings or in elder meetings. Hmm. Two different things and not feeling like they're telling the truth then to the no. congregation. Yeah. And no. didn't your husband and you, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but yeah. didn't you originally discover the gambling that James McDonald yes. was involved in? Yep. Um, women's ministry or the ministries there at Harvest, they have small groups and then they have flock leaders that oversee small groups and then the elders, of course, oversee the congregation. But. Um, yes, one of the small group, uh, no, one of the flock leaders of that I was serving with uh, had witnessed and had heard about some things, and so, and then 
there's rumbling behind the scenes. We sat on it for almost a year, praying about it, hoping, you know, to test it to see mm-hmm. if that's true. And finally, um, the 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 gal and I uh, went to, you know, the, one of the pastors and. Uh, brought this to the attention of the elders and were very concerned. When you say this, that James McDonald was gambling yes. in Vegas, right? Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. And the attitude and um, the language and the, the amount of money that was being played all in different areas of the city, mm-hmm. um, uh, we were aware of. So so we, of course, um, brought that to the to the elder board. We brought that to Pastor Rick. And um, it was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he he he. He wasn't shocked, I don't believe, mm-hmm. but he seemed to listen. And um, and then the next elder meeting, my husband was there to kind of discuss it a little mm-hmm. bit. So He wasn't shocked because he probably knew yeah. already. Yeah. I mean, these are some of the things that are coming out. So much we could talk about, but I want to get everybody involved here. So, Carol, um, you were at uh, Willow Creek Community Church for yes. decades. Yes. So. The only you grew up, you said Plymouth Brethren. Yes, that's an interesting church. I mean, that's a very small church where you're not allowed to have pastors, right? They choose not. Yes, that's not their way. Yeah, one man ministry is not. They think the way that you go. So um, you've experienced these two very different churches. Tell me about Willow. I'm guessing there were wonderful years, but then it soured for you. Tell me about that. Well, growing up in Plymouth Brethren, it was like wonderful to come to Willow Creek and see that style of church. Um, yeah, two opposites. That's all I can say. Um, we jumped right in. We we were small group leaders, and uh, my husband was heading up the prison ministry exodus and. Um, Many uh, we had several small groups. You probably over saw a lot years. of people come come to know the Lord in that time. Yeah, maybe not through the small groups so much. We had we had couples that we were bringing along who were young Christians mm-hmm. and meeting in homes and became very close to the couples. And some of them were still we still traveled to visit. Mm-hmm. So when these women came forward, you know, started out with a few in Chicago Tribune saying that uh, Bill Hybels had, you know, some sexual misconduct towards them, some abusive behavior. At first, when you heard that, what was your response? I believed it immediately. You did. And why did you believe it? Because I'm guessing you had a high opinion of Bill Hybels. Uh, I had a high opinion of Nancy Beach and all the other women. Yeah. That's what was, uh, you know, I, I felt the same way. Like, we had attended Willow, actually, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And um, Nancy Beach, Nancy Ortberg, my goodness. Um, so, but how did, this is your pastor for, like, decades, you know. How does that impact you to have your pastor now be involved in something like that? Uh, my pastor suddenly became in the same category of some of the men that I had come in contact with in the workplace mm-hmm. who were, um, you know, sexual harassment guilty of. And so then I hear Bill Hybels is behaving the same way. So I just lumped him into that category. But I'm guessing devastating. Yes? Um, devastating, shocking, 
disgusting. I was disgusted. Well, and it's interesting you say that about about you know you kind of think of the people you've you've been in the workplace with. For women, I know that's that's me too. You know, I read those things and I'm like, oh yeah, I have Uh bosses like that. I know what that's like. I get it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's tough. And to think that this person that was a spiritual leader, a shepherd over you, now is sort of a wolf. Exactly. Yeah. And how did that make you feel about church? Uh, I don't need church to have a relationship with the Lord. So you feel done with it? I am done with it. Scared. For, not, for right now, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Understandable. I, I, I get the pain, and I get where you're coming from. Um, Rob, you're not going to have a chance to talk in this segment. I hate to tell you that. That's okay. <laughs> but when we come back, Rob Spate will, will uh, tell his story. And, and Rob uh, was at Willow Creek, also served on staff. Uh, so you have kind of both worlds there from, from being on staff and, and being a member. And, and now you kind of, you're preaching at a church and doing a tenor uh, thing? Getting back. Into the pulpit now. Yeah, okay. And your wife is going to a small group, but that's about as much as she can handle right now, right? Uh, I'd say that's affirmative. Yeah, okay. Well, again, we're going to explore this more when we come back. You're listening to The Roy's Report. Joining me, Carol Barons, Terry Strike, also Rob Spate, and two Chicago-area pastors, Dave Jones, and also Joe, Joe Thorne. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Former U.S. Ambassador Caroline Kennedy is coming to the Chicago area this October for a special conversation at Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum. Learn how Kennedy, a diplomat and author and the eldest child of President John F. Kennedy, carries on her father's legacy of public service at this unique opportunity for the Chicagoland community. Get your tickets today for this lively conversation hosted by nationally syndicated radio host and commentator Eric Metaxas. The World Leaders Forum brings recognized world leaders to the region each year to inspire leadership for all who attend. Many great thinkers and leaders have keynoted this prominent event. You won't want to miss Caroline Kennedy this fall. Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum is October 8th, 7 p.m. at the Renaissance Schomburg Convention Center. Tickets start at $75 and are available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. Once again, tickets available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. Now, more of the Roy's Report. Once again, here's Julie Roy's. Welcome back to the Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're discussing living in the aftermath of church scandals. Here in the Chicago area, we've had two major scandals, first at Willow Creek Community Church involving founder Bill Hybels, and then at Harvest Bible Chapel involving former pastor James McDonald. Many feel betrayed and duped and are profoundly wary of churches and pastors, and pastors many of whom are godly and honest, suddenly are viewed with suspicion. In fact, I remember uh, our first show was talking a lot about the Harvest Bible Chapel situation. I got an email from somebody who said, man, you sound like you're pastor bashing. And I'm like, oh, it made me feel awful because I do love pastors, and I know the majority of them are great people and godly people, but that's just the reality right now. Um, so as a Christian community, how do we heal? How do we deal with this situation? Uh, today's show is recorded, so I can't take your calls, but I encourage you to join the live conversation. That's going on online on facebook.com slash reachjulieroys. Also, 
uh, on Twitter. You can use my handle at ReachJulieRoyce. Again, Royce is spelled R-O-Y-S. Well, joining me this morning, two Chicago-area pastors, Joe Thorne and Dave Jones. Also joining me are three people who have left their churches following scandal there. Uh, we just heard in the previous uh, segment from Carol Barons and Terry Strike. Uh, but now I've got Rob Spate, and Rob uh, was at Willow Creek Community Church. But Rob, I'm sure you saw great things at Willow. That's what brought you there. But tell me how you became disillusioned and decided to leave. Well, when the story broke, uh, that was the uh, first time I heard it, anything about it, was from the Chicago Tribune in March of 2018. And very much like Carol, um, I believed it because of the people and their characters who were making these claims. And then when... I attended the first family meeting, which was a defense of Bill Hybels and a defense of the elders and how the women were liars and colluders. Um, I immediately began to write to the elders hmm. because uh, even though I'm a lone or a, a small voice in a large church, uh, I wanted them to know that there were people questioning uh, decisions that were made. And so I started to write to them. And uh, the answers that I continued to receive were lacking in uh, transparency. They were, uh, I don't believe, forthcoming with, with what was happening. And then... Uh, eventually, it wasn't too long after that where uh, we stopped attending, but I continued to write to the elders and continued to be shushed. Hmm. They did not want me uh, speaking up and sharing my thoughts. Yeah. And then we had, you know, initially, what was it, three women? Um, was it three? Well, it was uh, Vonda Dyer, Nancy Ms. Beach. Nancy Orberg. Nancy an Orberg. Yeah. And then the uh, uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy and Leanne yeah, Mayato mm -hmm. were advocates uh, trying to tell the story of, uh, right. of uh, an affair that they knew about mm -hmm. that the elders supposedly investigated that. And the woman had recanted to take him back her testimony. I, yeah, I know. They use I that as an excuse. They use that <laughs> yeah. as an excuse yeah. when uh, there are others that know something very different. So um, since then, though, I mean, as it, it became ten, you know, women or more, and then Pat Baranowski, uh, Bill Hybels' former assistant, when she had her expose in the New York Times, that seemed to be sort of a the last straw. That, that then, was the last straw. Yeah. Yes. So then you had. Um, Steve Carter uh, resigned and, and apologized. Uh, an elder apologized to the congregation. All the elders resigned. Um, wasn't enough for you, though. Uh, Steve Carter was, uh, he isn't given as much credit as he deserves hmm. for standing up to a machine. Hmm. And uh, if he hadn't resigned, uh, I'm not sure what would have would have happened but he caused my opinion 
uh, Heather Larson to resign and all of the elders to resign. Hmm. Was it enough? Well, um, it, wa- it hadn't been enough because I had started a blog and I was writing there. Mm-hmm. And then when there was a meeting called in August, a very spur-of-the-moment meeting, and Heather Larson and the elders resigned, that was enough. And I stopped writing uh, my blog, and I wanted to give Steve Gillen and the new elders-to-be space. Well, and we could talk a lot about, because just recently there was uh, a meeting, a reconciliation meeting. I know a lot of the victims didn't feel like it was reconciliation at all, didn't feel like they were even, they weren't even mentioned by name. And so we could talk a lot about those specifics, but I really want to move it now towards what about your feeling now towards the church in general um, and towards, you know, joining another church? You've left Willow. How do you feel about joining another church? Uh I like the idea of joining another church. I like the idea of being a part of a community. Do I look potentially with a jaundiced eye at what might be going on behind the scene? Yeah, I do. But uh, you're God, skeptical. I am skeptical, uh, and but for good reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also know that God uses the local church. God wants uh, his followers to be a part of a community mm-hmm. and to build into each other's lives and to use their spiritual gifts, and that happens in the local church. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of in, in a wasteland right now. I understand that. Um, we're going to need to go to break. Uh, when we come back, I want to hear, you know, just briefly, what do you need to hear from a church, from a pastor, for you to feel safe there. Now I'm going to give uh, our pastors a chance to respond to that. Um, just reminds me, I remember when we were looking for churches years and years ago, and we had had a bad experience on staff at a church, really quite bad, very wounded. And I remember meeting with the pastor, which it took about six to nine months to get a meeting with the pastor, finally got a meeting with the pastor, and he looked at me and he said, you know, I just get the feeling you're not that excited about this church and that enthused. And I looked at him and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, but it's kind of the best we could find. And, you know, we love the church with, you know, its warts and everything else. So we're just going to roll up our sleeves and, and serve. And he looked at me and he said, well, if that's how you feel, you can't serve at this church. We want people who are enthusiastic. <laughs> um, needless to say, we walked out of that meeting and we didn't join that church. Um, I know some of you are listening. You you can relate to this. Um, I hope you stick with us. We're going to come right back after a short break. Again, you're listening to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's. Uh, joining me, two area pastors, three Harvest and Willow Creek refugees. Um, it's going to be a great discussion. Hope you can stay with us. This is The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's. Well, how does the Christian community recover from church scandals? Welcome back to the Roy's Report. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we're tackling a painful subject that has impacted so many people here in the Chicago area, but also around the country. Of course, in Chicago, we've had two major church scandals involving Willow Creek Community Church and Harvest Bible Chapel, but unfortunately, these scandals are not isolated. I can still remember uh, back in the 80s, and probably a lot of you listening can remember this as well, when Jimmy Swaggart, that scandal hit, when the PTL scandal and Jim Baker 
hit. It was disillusioning. It really was. Not that I was a big follower of Jim Baker or Jimmy Swagger, but man, I just, that was the first big evangelical scandal, and I just didn't think that was possible for us. These scandals are so, so painful, and they shouldn't happen. Pastors should love and protect the sheep, not fleece and abuse them. But that is what has been the reality at some of these churches. And what do we do when this unthinkable thing happens? Well, we're going to jump back into that discussion in just a minute. But first, I want to remind you that this month, for a gift of any size to this ministry, I'm giving away copies of a book by apologist Norm Geisler, an amazing defender of the Christian faith, who just passed away last month. The book is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and it's a great read by someone I greatly admired. And if you've read any of my coverage of the battle for inerrancy at the Moody Bible Institute last year, You'll see Norm's name because I interviewed him several times about the issue. He was so passionate about the truth and inerrancy, and I'm thrilled to offer his book. So if you'd like to support this ministry and get a copy of I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, just go to my website, julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com, and click on the donate button. Also, I want to let you know if you've missed any part of today's broadcast or just want to listen again or share it with friends, the audio of today's program will be posted by 1 p.m. today to my website. And again, the website is julieroys.com. And, uh, he, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I even feel this because I just asked for donations, that there's a, a sense in this room, my goodness, how, how dare she? Um, <laughs> and I get that. Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, we have made a commitment to publishing um, a line item budget and how much I have made or taken out of that, I can promise you um, it's a, a part-time salary to do this radio program. So uh, it is nothing uh, anywhere uh, on the, the level that we have seen by megachurch pastors. But again, I believe completely in open and complete uh, conversation about that and being transparent. But part of that is because it has to be. Um, so let me return this conversation. Rob, uh, I had said this before the break. Again, joining me, Rob Spate. Uh, Rob is former member at Willow Creek Community Church. Um, Rob, what do pastors need to know about you um, and people like you that are walking through their door? I believe that the, uh, the, the folks who are visiting churches who have come out of places like Willow Creek, and Harvest Bible Chapel, they're going through various stages of grief. Mm -hmm. And there are those that who want to be left alone. I want to come in. Hopefully I'm going to experience and be a part of good worship. I get taught from the Word of God, and I want to leave. Mm -hmm. But uh, for my wife and myself, that wasn't the case. and We had pretty much... Um, recovered from uh, the uh, some of the shock of what had occurred at Willow, mm-hmm. and um, we had visited a number of churches, and we had never stuck anywhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, there's a community in a church. Uh, there's strengths and weaknesses about community. The strength is if you've got it, you love it, and you want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. But the weakness is, how does a refugee break into that community? Mm. And so uh, for the pastors to 
uh, communicate to their body. We know who have community. We know you love each other and you have great small groups and you, oh, you want to be together and you can't wait to talk with your friends after church or before church. But there are refugees coming. Mm-hmm. And will you, uh, you've got to go out of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is to be with your friends. Out of your comfort zone is to be noticing, watching, you know, who is new. And not to be like, hey, did you sign in yet? You know, we want you to sign it. it not to be overbearing, uh, mm-hmm. but to be uh, caring, winsome, and to be sensitive. Yeah. Are you hearing from somebody who wants more? Or are you hearing from somebody who, okay, they want their distance. Hmm. And so that is a value that I believe incoming churches uh, need to have for the refugees. Absolutely. Carol? Yes. That question makes you furl your brow, just the idea of what do pastors need to hear from you? I don't need the pastors. (laughs) You've kind of had it. I'm really on my own. I uh, I have Christian fellowship without being in church. It would take a miracle for you to go back to the church at this point. I don't trust myself to choose a church that in the end I will be able to trust because I was in a church for 38 years and didn't realize what the reality was. Mm. Boy, that's hard. You know, and I've heard people say that, like, who have had multiple experiences even at bad churches and just like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I do a better job picking a church? Why am I? It's really not your fault, Carol. <laughs> I pride myself on my intuition, and this time it didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah, it's tough. Terry? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, after many, many years of making relationships and um, but seeing the hypocrisy that was going on in the church, um, very painful. It's 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 you can't equate it to anything. It, they're starting to write about these things now, but it it's such a grief and a disappointment um, to come from the Christian community, from Holy Spirit led supposedly people. Um, the paranoia that was going on on the staff at the end was difficult, and so when I uh, quit. Um, I invited that we invited the pastor over, and uh, he never contacted. There was no love, no outreach. People are left all by themselves. You feel naked, and it's very, very painful. M- many tears. You question your own discernment. Even why didn't I see that? Or, or maybe you know, like Dave and I, we had our meetings. We had a million meetings, and um, believing the best, and and, and it, nothing. Most things didn't change. Yeah, so you ended painful. up. At Joe's Church. Yes. Okay. So again, I don't think I introduced you at the beginning of the segment. Terry Strike, you were at Harvest Bible Chapel. Carol was at Willow Creek Community Church. Joe Thorne, one of our area pastors on this program, also Dave Jones. Um, you ended up at Joe's Church. What did Joe do something right that made you <laughs> say, "Okay, I can trust this dude"? Well, this is what this is what happens because like a lot of people were calling us and asking us, and Dave and I just had to decide what are the main things that God would have us. Like it wasn't easy to go somewhere new, but you can listen to sermons online now. You can kind of check out people's doctrine before you step in and invest yourself or get hurt again. Uh, we did our um, investigation at, as best we could, and we came. And our hearts, we really ached for the Word of God to be preached with no. Uh, 
apology in regards to doctrine, the, the theology, like we weren't distracted because our lens that we were looking uh, to it, through its sermons before, we were so critical and all of that, and we just didn't want to be distracted. We wanted to hear the God, God's word just wash over us. That's what we were so hungry so you for. So you were drawn to the preaching. Yes. Was there something else, though? Yes. Well, one thing, Joe was very accessible. So we met him at a Starbucks like that week. Dave wrote him an email affirming mm-hmm. his gift. And um, we asked a million questions. The people were lovely there. But um, our eyes always have to be set on the Lord and trust his leading and guiding and ask mm-hmm. for discernment as we read his word. It's really important. And you said, you know, earlier before we were on air, I'm not yeah. ever going to a mega church again. No, now. we yes. won't. Yeah, that's interesting. We won't. Um, Dave, you don't have a megachurch, but it's, you know, what do you say, about 600, 650? Mm. How do you respond to, you know, what these w- women are wanting, what Rob's wanting from a church? What have you guys done? Yeah, so again, I think a big part of it for people is just hearing that they understand and know. Um, and so just to let, a, you know, a visitor who's coming know, like, I, I get what you're going through right now. Like, I experienced it myself personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that is disarming uh, in and of itself, and it begins the process of building trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that's important for them to realize is that even though this is new to you, this is not new to the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus predicted that there would be ravenous wolves who would come in among the mm-hmm. sheep, not sparing the flock. Um, he spent his last major discourse of teaching, according to Matthew's gospel, warning people about false teachers. You know, the book of Revelation uh, details seven different churches, and some of them received no condemnation. Some received only condemnation. Some received mixed reviews. Mm. So, you know, and we look at the problems with Corinth and otherwise, like the early church was not like this perfect place. They were real people. They wrestled with real issues, and some of those issues were leadership issues. Mm. So I think for people to come to that awareness of this has been going on since the beginning of church history, it's just that it's happened new to me now. Man, that is great. Uh, Joe, I'm going to let you land this plane, although I think, Dave, you, you just got us down the runway. So, <laughs> Joe, uh, speak to, speak to these, these people hurting right now. Yeah, well, well listen to what Pastor Dave said. Um, you, you second that? Yeah. yeah. That's, that he's, he's giving you the truth of God's word. And, you know, my encouragement to people that are hurting, that are coming out of uh, abusive, toxic, spiritually abusive and toxic cultures, churches and situations is to give yourself time. But to draw near to God through the means of grace, meaning his word, meaning prayer. But the means of grace are really most vibrantly and um, intensely experienced in the Christian community of faith. And so um, I, want to, I, I would want to say I understand. I'm not mad at you for, and people that are distancing themselves from church. I totally understand. I'm angry at the wolves. Um, but... Uh, I guess the the challenge would be, I don't think that we can be the people God calls us to be, or and I don't think we can even do all the things God calls us to do outside of the local church. Now that's going to look different, different kinds of churches, whether it's you know those house churches and mega churches and big churches, but regular sized churches, small. Um, you were made for that kind of covenant Christian community, so. Um, I think the people that I've talked to um, haven't completely like said I'm never going back under any circumstances. They just understand. I don't know when I'm going back. And so I want to encourage them, leave that door open, surround yourself with good Christians who can speak into your life, and perhaps you'll find your way back to a church through them eventually. Uh, but do not distance yourself from God or the means of grace. That's uh, going to be critical for your mm-hmm. spiritual health. And I know, uh, Dave, you've actually done an intentional thing at your church for 
about spiritual abuse, inviting people in and to, to process the spiritually abusive situations they've been from. I think those are really important. And I so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rob, Dave, Joe, Terry, Carol, for being willing to come be a part of this. I think it was really helpful. You know, I I resonate with what you guys just said and the, the scriptures that are coming to mind, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So the church is God's church. He won't give up on her. And I truly believe that these horrible things and abuses that have come to light have come to light because God is purifying his church. He has brought these things out. I don't think it's just man's work. I think it's God's work. Second scripture is Hebrews 10, 25, where the Apostle Paul urges us not to give up meeting together. Now I get for some, they don't want to meet right now, but I just encourage you, Find fellowship where you can, but come to the hospital for healing. We need each other. We desperately need each other. Uh, if you've missed any part of this program, the entire podcast will be posted to my website, uh, Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great weekend. <laughs>